Good guys and girls, welcome to the Swing Round Podcast. I'm your host, George St. Ledger, joined by my Kung Fu duo team, Louis Halpin and Lewis Howard. Uh, in this podcast, it's volume three in our Swing Round Spotlight, and we're turning our attentions to, to Superman himself, the warrior, the big Aristotle, the diesel himself. It's none other than Shaquille O'Neal. Chaps, I'm gonna I'm gonna go I'm gonna go Lewis this time. Lewis, where are we starting this? Where are we gonna go with Shaquille O'Neal? Well, I feel like we start with all of these spotlights we've started around the same time which is the draft i think we may have spoken a few bits about before that but i'm going to start the draft now so 1992 nba draft shaquille o'neal was the first overall pick for the orlando magic and this was a draft class where the first three picks were seen as bankers you couldn't go wrong with them and that mm. was shaq Alonzo Mourning, who went second, and Christian Leitner, who went third. And we know that two of them are Hall of Famers now. And Christian Leitner didn't have the career or the longevity with his career that everyone thought he would. But, you know, he was solid for those first few years. And he was, obviously, of course, part of that Olympic dream team. And there were some other people in that draft as well that, that made people think it was a very solid draft class. So... To, to be first pick of that, obviously the talent everyone already knew was there. Yeah, it was a Shaq lottery, kind of like this year, last year's draft was a Zion lottery. And I think mm. you'd say that although Zion's six foot six, Shaquille O'Neal is seven foot one, 300 and whatever pounds he is, you can see sort of similar levels of impact, if that makes sense, in terms of like them coming into the league bullying older guys and they're only mm. like very very young players um yeah he, one of his rookie season is probably one of the best ever 23 points 14 rebounds and 3.5 blocks nanny was an all-star yeah. in his first season and that's only like rookie 10 players year. or so that mm. have made all-star in their first season so i, I mean all-star as well wasn't he? yeah i mean alonzo morning was a i think there was a sort of little thing with Shaq about we'll see that throughout this podcast that he was a kind of master of marketing master of you know fabricating beef a little bit somewhat to try and in- increase his public image of sorts and I think he tried to sort of force a rivalry of Alonzo rivalry with Alonzo Mourning but there wasn't really any there to be quite mm-hmm. frank um but yeah uh, easily one of the best rookies to have ever played in the NBA like one of the best rookie seasons ever and set the tone really because even though they didn't win a lot in his first season they got another lottery pick the next year it's a good pick yeah. as well wasn't it yeah it was penny um yeah indeed do you know what his um his voting was on his rookie of the year yes on in lobby he was 96 votes to two. <laughs> they were all in favour of Shaquille O'Neal. <laughs> who, who did the other two? <laughs> I don't know who the other two went to. I'm 
assuming Alonso Mourning, but you know, um, we don't know. I, I don't know. So I had I, those sort of all I know from it. Do you know what? You you boys keep talking. I'll do a little bit of research now. I hate that sort of. I just want to expand that point now because I hate those right of things when someone is quite clearly unanimous rookie of the year MVP whatever, and it's just those yeah. two annoying people that vote for someone else well, and don't a... make them unanimous. Yeah, there's something along those lines later <laughs> on <laughs> there as is, we definitely. go through this, so that that will make a reoccurrence. But yeah, I do agree. There are there always well, not always, not anymore, but traditionally, <laughs> there's usually those one or two people yeah. that have. They're, they're out there choices that everyone looks upon with disappointment. Before we uh, get on to... Yeah, sorry, I just want to say, before we get on to like the, first, you know, the points of his career, highlighting them and, and mm. such, I just, like I asked about Alan Iverson last week, I just want to uh, give us a sort of flavour. What do you think made Shaquille O'Neal special? And obviously there's a lot of things, but in your mind, the first things that come to your head... The first things that come to my head would be one, I think this is the one that's undeniable, is how athletically gifted he was, mm. being the size that he was, how He's big so the fast. body was, a lot, along with being very quick, twitchy, and a lot of speed. Uh, and that was something that was, as we saw later on as he went through his career, unstoppable. In, especially in his prime so that would be number one and yeah. then number two would be even with all of those athletic gifts and ability his personality still shone through the most so they mm. i'd say those two things he he was as large as he was he was even his personality was even larger than that which is saying something so yeah, i don't think at his physical peak anyway there was absolutely anyone in the nba maybe even in the NBA's history that you could throw at Shaquille O'Neal and you could stop him. Like, yeah, physically, I agree. I don't think there's anyone. Dominant. That was where the, the term Shaq fever turned up from, when centres didn't want to play on that night when the Magic were covered in the throw elbows a couple times. Yeah, because they didn't want to get done by a rookie. Um, mm. It happened a lot when he was at LSU and when he was at high school anyway. But, um, I mean, my favourite things about um, Shaq himself um, probably be either... His album, You Can't Stop the Rain, or his reaction to Vince Carter's Dunk It's Dunk contest with that massive video camera and the beanie. Mm-hmm. They're probably my favorite Shaq moments. Um, but no, it, it, I mean, when you're talking about Shaquille O'Neal, you're talking about one of the best centers. There is the case that you can make is the best center of all time in basketball history, but we'll not go into that. Um, but you're talking about one of the, the greatest centers of all time. Um, you're talking about an absolute like a legend. But the fact is that when you're talking about his size and stature, Granted, whenever someone's that tall, you, you think that they're going to do well in the NBA anyway if they've got the basketball skills for it. But it was the power and the force that came with him as well. It was that kind of, it literally was, he was unstoppable. There wasn't anybody that you could put there. When he wanted to get a bucket, he would get there. Like it was that, along with when he was obviously younger, his speed, granted again. But it's just that that whole package, along with his personality on and off the court, is what made Shaquille O'Neal so mm-hmm. special. Uh, I want to touch on that sort of personality off the court as well because, as I said before, he's a master of marketing. And a little fun fact mm. for you, Shaq actually has the highest viewed regular season game in NBA history. That's him against Kobe, the first season he left the Los Angeles Lakers. Is that then, the highest watched game yeah, ever? It, it, in regular season, not the playoffs. Wow. I think the finals 
you know, the Cavs, LeBron yeah. final before they came back. That was the at, at its peak, the most viewed NBA game in history. Yeah. But that's the most viewed mm. regular season game. And Christmas Day obviously gets the most views, but apparently Shaq also, th- th- there's different reports on this, but apparently he has the most viewed non-Christmas Day regular season game as well. And that's his first game against Yao Ming. People wanted to see if Yao Ming could obviously match up against Shaq. And I don't think he did really well that first game, Yao Ming, bit of a culture shock. But yeah, that personality, it transcended basketball, I think. Um, mm. Couldn't sell shoes surprisingly enough not a lot of big men can do actually but he's one of the yeah yeah i was gonna say if reebok probably wouldn't if he'd have gone to jordan or nike it might have been a different story (laughs) Mm. i think in in more than anything he's in the pop culture of you know just the the world the society not just nba he is someone who's transcended that and uh just yeah as you said the dominance on the court as well i don't think he was the most skilled big man if you like the footwork the hat like, yeah, i feel he, like there, someone there like was no finesse there was no finesse to his game yeah it one. was all power yeah. and yeah you know that's what he was given and he used that to the maximum of his ability so fair play but that being said shall we move on i think i don't know i think that was a little bit harsh i think I'm not gonna, he, he was skilled he had he had good post moves but he wasn't like hakeem was with no you know, i think hakeem's in, most gifted in, in his first season he was brunt false kind of like i'm just gonna go straight to the room and dunk it and then in his second season you can see there was like he was learning some, some fancy little layups and nice little kind of mm. fake passes inside yeah, the nice the hook. Let's, yeah. Let, let's not try and beat around the bush there was no finesse to his game whatsoever <laughs> he, he was skilled but it was bully ball <laughs> that, yeah. that, that that is it I mean, if you watch the uh, highlights of his career high game against the Los Angeles Clippers, that was on his birthday, actually, where he got uh, 61 points, 23 rebounds, three assists. That, mm. If you look at that, you can't tell me there's a lot of finesse to that game. That's just him getting the ball a lot of times down low. And he's like, there's nothing you can do. He's just too big and too strong. Yeah. And I mean, I think if anything, if we were going to criticise him, like this is the one swingman spotlight i think there's not much like, i don't think there's a lot i can criticize shaquille o'neal on whatsoever but i think some people would say he left a little bit on on the table um in terms of well kobe bryant made that very public yeah i, th- mm. I think we can get into that a bit later though. yeah i think okay. we're trying to jump enough. in the gun a bit here right. but going back to what we were talking about before so his rookie season rookie of the year as you said the numbers were very impressive and then the next year after that he Continued on, improved even more, averaged over 29 points a game, led the league in field goal percentage, two-point percentage, effective field goal percentage, whatever you want to say about (laughs) those three statistics. Uh, And for someone to do that in their second season is obviously incredible. And it just shows, you know, 21 years old, you, you brought the comparison to Zion Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's a good comparison because the main point with both of them is how how they already had, and this is what the general phrase people usually say, uh, the man's body already straight straight from college. They they had that bulk to them already, and, yeah. and it shows I, as as they go straight into the league. I don't know. For me, like when you look at, it's hard because obviously I wasn't watching, none of us were watching this live when Shaq appeared on the scene and, and it was a completely different time frame then. But even when I look back, when you look back at film of him there and then in the 92 draft, he looks like built. I'm not disregarding that Zion isn't built, but Zion's like, to me, it's like he's built, but with puppy fat. Like I'm not looking at 
Shaq there and thinking he's built with puppy fat. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I agree. But I'm, I'm not trying to make a comparison to both the their bodies and how they're similar. built exactly. It's, it's more, yeah, it's more the impact and, and how people viewed them. I'm not saying no. they were both they had the same body type. One's probably seven one, and the other one's six six. So you can't really compare it that much. Yeah, but it's, it's right. that they had what people would call that man's body. Yes, some people say Zion should lose a bit of weight, and Shaq as he as he went on, n- not including the later years when he put on way too much, he put on a bit more muscle as well as as he as he went on. So. Mm-hmm. But but the the main point is the impact is immediate. There yeah. there was no having to get used to, well not as much having the to get used to the game as as other rookies. Yeah, and the the physicality wasn't a downside or a negative to them as they came into the league. Um, I think obviously having had that year in the league did help him in that second season. Though, just to sort of you know get used to everything, the schedule and that as much as anything really. But also I think Penny Hardaway goes. A, we kind of we'll kind of go through him here and it, we'll leave him in sort of the dust really. But he was a really really good playmaker and a really good player at his peak, um, and yeah. I think he really helped Shaq in that second season because he'd hit him in his spots. It's weird thinking about it right now because we have the Philadelphia 76 as a team right now who have this like tall, very gifted playmaker who could play you know as a forward, but he plays as a, a point guard much like Penny Hardaway did, and you got this mm. seven foot absolute behemoth and they can't seem to make it work nowadays but back then it just it just worked really well and uh he actually met penny hardaway on the set of the film blue chips first sort of instance of him transcending into other avenues i just found that quite interesting actually um but they made the playoffs that year as well to be fair uh the first year they got together swept by the paces it's always the paces isn't it in the first round the the, the damn paces are unreal back in the day Reggie Miller's Reggie Miller was uh, loving it with these young teams come through, just sort of foul them and that. Yeah, uh, I'm, I mean, so what? They went 41 and 41 in the first year of Shaq, and then mm-hmm. Penny came, and then what did they go? They went 50 and 32, and then they got yeah. swept by the Pacers again. It's quite mad they went 41 and 41 and got the number one overall pick again. Don't you think? Mm, yeah, they traded down to get Penny Hardway, obviously. Oh, yeah, they traded. I was going to say they traded down because he went third, didn't he, Penny? Or was yeah. He fifth? Yeah, they selected Chris Webber, traded down to Golden State Warriors, uh, got Penny Hardaway, which was the better move at the time, really, because you need that point guard, big man combo rather than... Well, it's a better fit. Yeah, it's a better fit for them. most definitely. Obviously, Chris Webber was a fantastic player as well, though. Oh, he was, yeah. And he'd be a rival for Shaq later, to be fair. Yeah. As we said, first season, fantastic. Second season kicked on even more. And then after that, we arrived to... What is probably the first big point of mm. Shaq's career, which is the 94 95 season, where he once again averaged 29.3 points per game. But this time it was the highest in the league. And that year is also the year that they made their playoff run and got to his first finals. Does anyone want to oh. have some comments before we get to the actual finals games? Yeah, I just realised I made a mistake. They didn't get swept twice by the Pacers. They didn't make the playoffs his first year, did they? Because they lost a tiebreaker to the Pacers. They made the Pacers. Year, yeah, the, yeah. They, they got swept in the second year. In the first year, they got um, they got done by a tiebreaker to get into the playoffs by the Pacers. That's what happened. Then. I just remembered that. Um, yeah. On the topic of that 94-95 season, I think you'd say going into that finals that 
they would have been the favourites probably because they're the hot team, they're the young team. They'd beaten, obviously Michael Jordan didn't play the entire season in Chicago, but he did come back about halfway through. And they beat the Chicago Bulls. They're the only team to beat the Chicago Bulls in the 1990s. And Shaq was tremendous in that series, went 24 and 13, two blocks a game as, as per usual, really. Um, and they also beat the Indiana Pacers as well, who were a team you had to get past in the Eastern Conference. And then you'd think, you know, the other side of it, Houston, they'd won the championship the year before, but they went 47 and 35 over the season. They mm. wasn't very consistent. It was a hard run to the playoffs for them as well. You'd think the Phoenix Suns probably would have been the team to compete in that finals, actually. But it just didn't happen that way, did it? Uh, if you want to talk about the actual finals right now, you can do, or if you have another thing to say. Well, I just wanted to see if anyone wanted to talk about anything that happened in those playoffs or anything during that season before we actually get into the well, finals I think, games. I, I just wanted to, wanted to definitely mention that they did beat the Chicago Bulls in the playoffs, yeah. and that is like literally no one else done it in the 1990s and mm. Michael Jordan probably wasn't in prime shape at that point the team probably wasn't attuned to play with him as well but just to beat Michael Jordan I think in the playoffs is a remarkable feat in any case and I, I can't understand why they didn't really go on and then win that championships yeah but talking about that that final series obviously the Rockets swept them 4 0, mm. which I, obviously we weren't around at that time to, to to watch it. So, just looking back from our perspective, I think it's quite strange to see that a six seed, although it is in the West versus first in the East, a six seed in the West sweeping the first seed in the East 4 0 is, is very strange. Mm. <laughs> but this was, this was the a matchup. The, with Shaq that would become very famous, which was how he, how he came up against Hakeem, yeah. and how Hakeem maybe taught him a few things in that series. Well, um, Shaq didn't play entirely badly in that series. No, he didn't. Mm. I just think they were a bit more street smart, and they were just more experienced. Obviously, they'd won yeah. the championship a year before. Uh, it's hard to say. I think I watched an NBA Open Court thing, and... Uh, Kenny Jet Smith, who obviously he played with Hakeem in the Houston Rockets, and he said, uh, it was, I think they were coming back to Orlando. That would have been the game one because that would have been the uh, home court advantage. They were mm. coming to Orlando, and they were boosted in confidence a little bit by something they heard that had happened in Orlando. Do you know what it was? It was, I do uh, it was that they'd heard that Shaq and Penny, the old team, they had been to the mall the night before the game. <laughs> <laughs> they 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 took that as a sign of they're not taking this seriously enough. They're not mature enough, or something. And yeah. I don't know how much to read into uh, so, so kind of a superficial thing like that. Yeah, saying that maybe there was some intangibles in play in this series that le- lent it into Houston's favour. I, yeah, I just think they weren't ready. This is Shaq yeah, in his third year, and Penny yeah. was in his second year. But as as we said, we're, we're about the matchup, Shaq. Wasn't bad. He wasn't bad. He averaged no. 28 over the four games, but Hakeem averaged 32.8 throughout those four games. So he yeah. he trumped him a little bit there. But I would say maybe a, a a little highlight for Shaq in those games. In that game one, which was an overtime loss, he did have 26 points, 16 rebounds and nine assists, which is pretty incredible, <laughs> especially yeah. for your centre. So he wasn't playing badly, but he was 
Maybe he got schooled by a. Yeah, he just wasn't at that level yet. But he will. He would get there in the future. So we'll, we'll get on to that. And I think uh, Hakeem Shaquille O'Neal was actually quite an interesting debate because we'll probably get mm. on to where he ranks among the greatest centers later on in the podcast. Yeah. But I don't think I can put him with. I can't. I don't think I can put Shaq with someone like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, maybe. But I feel like Hakeem and Shaq—that's a bit, bit more of an evil, even playing field. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, uh, we'll get on to we'll get on to yeah. that later after mm-hmm. we've gone through the whole thing. But yeah, are there any anything anyone else wants to say on that 1995 finals? Um, I'm quite cool on it. No, I think you guys covered that. Okay, well, we'll move on from there. And the next year after that finals, the Magic actually went on to win a franchise record 60 games, which was three wins more than the year before. But that was only good for second in the east because there was another team quite quite a famous team i think we've all heard of them which would be michael jordan and the chicago bulls who that year got at the time a record 72 wins mm-hmm. and it and it would be to them that the magic got swept by in the yeah. eastern conference finals so and i don't think anyone's gonna have a go at, have a go at them no. for getting swept by that team that that is yeah in in some people's eyes the greatest NBA team of all time. I mean, that's a debate for another day, though. <laughs> yeah, there's many a uh, a player who I mean, the great a lot of the greatest players of all time will say who do not have NBA championships, who do not have rings, played in the same era of Michael Jordan. It's just sort of part and parcel of playing in that era. I think at one stage or another, you're going to get done by them, and done yeah. by them quite br- brutally, if I say so. Yeah, um, but. but no, I was just going to say the more interesting aspect of that season probably was the off-season that came after it. Yeah, exactly, and that, that will be the next big mm-hmm. point that, that comes up in his career. Do you want to start us with that one? Well, you know, sometimes I feel sorry for the Orlando Magic because when you think about... They're kind of a relatively new franchise in the NBA, one of the newer franchises anyway, but they were in the 1990s. Mm. Um They've had some good players. They've had Shaquille O'Neal, obviously had Penny Hardaway, Tracy McGrady, Dwight Howard, had Grant Hill. At one point, they were almost signed Tim Duncan as well. But mm. and sometimes, oh, I feel sorry for them. Like, oh, they lose all these players, never won an NBA championship. But then I looked on their negotiations with Shaquille O'Neal during this off season. Yeah, and I still I feel slightly less sorry for them. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I was look, looking through it. Obviously, as as I said, we weren't around the time that this was this was all happening mm-hmm. but when when i'm looking through it and reading what what happened with specifically with the shack to the lakers there was a lot of interesting things happening around it that that maybe maybe people don't know too much about so i'll, I'll go through them now this is all well a lot of this is i'd have to throw the allegedly with so so take them all with a grain of salt. But first off, there was an apparent power struggle between Shaq and head coach Brian Hill. And apparently O'Neill said that the team didn't respect Hill. So that's already not a great sign. Everybody <laughs> a head coach and your best player arguing. And also in 1996, that was obviously when the Olympics were happening as well. And Shaq was part of that team. And there was a poll 
about if Shaq was worth 115 million, where 91.3% of people said no. And if you look at like, think of that at the time, 1991, like it is a play, it's like there and then in that situation, it's completely different now. Like that's a transfer fee of a footballer nowadays. Like if you're saying then $115 million is someone worth that. I agree, but the the main point from this is not so much the poll, but apparently his Olympic teammates teased him about the, the findings of that poll. So maybe that <laughs> led into it a little bit as well. No, but that that'll happen with everybody. Like that. Oh, I agree. Even yeah. if a footballer moves for a load of money and saying they're gonna and, and they're not performing, they're gonna tease him for that. I don't like that's just banter that's just gonna happen on a, on, a, on a squad. So yeah, but I will I will carry on. Because there is more. Apparently, the Orlando media implied he was a bad role model for having a child with no plans to marry with his long-term girlfriend, which, once again, these are all little things. and These are all little things, and you don't know how much this actually played a factor. It might not have played no factor. That's a bit venomous from the Orlando media. It is, yeah. The town of Disneyland. Yeah, once again, obviously... This is all allegedly. I don't. I wasn't around. This is only me reading back. And finally, Penny Hardaway. Allegedly, again, I'm going to say it again. There's multiple times I've said that word now. Considered himself the leader of the Magic team and didn't want Shaquille O'Neal making more money than him. Whether that's true or not, we don't know. I mean, I don't think any of them are really an issue. I think that it was more of the. I couldn't see him staying at the Magic for his career, and he probably wanted to go somewhere a little bit bigger. I think he would have stayed if they'd have offered him a decent amount of money. The cause... money, potentially, yeah. Because guys like in his draft class, you know, we said about Alonzo Mourning before, who we said can't hold the candles to Shaq over his career. He signed a mm. seven-year, $105 million deal that summer. And then yeah. there's you've got the Magic who are offering Shaq $54 million over four years. Like, I think... Yeah, it all fed into it. I think Shaq was probably a better fit for Los Angeles, like you said, because Orlando's small market, and then you got Los Angeles as big time. It's just Shaquille O'Neal all over, really, isn't it? But I read a little thing. Uh, it was an article written by a consultant of Shaq's agent at the time, and he said there were a number of teams they were looking to move Shaq to. You know, there's the Knicks, there's the Pistons, mm-hmm. the Heat, the Hawks. These aren't all teams like Los Angeles, so I think it was more of a money thing than him. And maybe the money is a bit of a respect <sighs> thing as well. See, I don't get... I mean, it's easy to make that thing... It's easy to make the kind of the... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Kind of the attachment of that it's him going for the money. Whatever team he went to, the man was going to get paid. Before he'd even made a, played a game in the NBA, the man had multiple endorsement deals and he had a shoe line. With Re- That's the reason he signed Reebok. It wasn't for the money. He would have gone with Nike. He went Reebok because he had, he had his own shoe line. Nike weren't offering him that. So it's like, I think, granted, obviously, the money is a major aspect of these deals. But I think it's the kind of, if you're thinking about if they're doing all of those um, polls with the fans and they're saying no, and there's a lot of things into his life about, what the media are doing, like you said as well, with the, with the child. Um, and the quote I've got is him that he felt like a big fish in a dried up pond. Like, yeah. I think that it's more of one, it was, it was just, he, he wanted to move on. That's how I saw it as well. Granted, if they come in with a big offer for him, he might have stayed, but. Like, yeah. I mean, Shaq did say that he, when he did sign eventually that seven year, $121 million deal with the Lakers, he did say it wasn't about the money. 
And while I do believe, looking at it, that that was definitely a factor, because it's always a factor, there's no getting away from it. I I think the, the other main things that played a part were, one, as you said, that he did just want to move on to to one of those big markets. And that, the, the, there's some contradictions there as well, because if you look at this media stuff, it's only going to get heightened when you go to a market like LA. But I, I think he wanted to push on in, into being that massive star that he did end up becoming. And I think the other thing was that the, you alluded to, Louis, where, when you get something like an offer like that from the magic it, it's a it's almost a respect thing they they yeah. don't respect his game and what it should be worth and maybe he saw that and thought no i'd rather go through a team that understands what i'm going to bring to them and values what i bring to the team yeah. so I, I think though they all play a part into it can you imagine a team right now so a rookie a guy in his first four years in the league leads his team to the finals leads his team to a 60 win season in the next one yeah. Can you imagine then not offering the max contract? Yeah. Obviously, like, yeah. There's a I do not big feel change sorry in culture. For, yeah. I do not feel sorry for the Orlando Magic in this situation whatsoever. I must say. Yeah. But I mean that that goes to show the difference that happened, or not not so recently now, but a few years ago, with LeBron James mainly being being the leader for this in players taking more of a control over their own destiny mm. and how that shift has led to their huge amounts of money that, that players are now making. Yeah. The organisations well, don't have that control anymore that they used to. I'm going through my notes. I'm saying that he didn't move for the for the money. And then there's a direct quote here of, of Shaq going, I'm tired of hearing about money, 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 money. I just want to play the game, drink Pepsi and wear it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I know that quote. <laughs> I think yeah, Jerry so must talk- have been a big influence as well, actually, just saying that he was the one yeah. that convinced Jack to come. You talk about master marketer. The, yeah. <laughs> the, that plays a factor there, just listening to that quote. But moving on from that, after this, obviously, we move into Laker Shack, where he is now based in Los Angeles. And does anyone want to kick us off about potentially the first few years that he had there? Uh, yeah. I think if you I think I had the impression before sort of properly researching things, not for this podcast, but for a while ago that he joined the Lakers and then they just became good, like but it wasn't really like that because although the Lakers mm. were a pretty good team before he got there, you know, they got to the Western semifinals without him. Mm. They weren't amazing. He obviously needed that second star for a couple of the years that you know they didn't get you know didn't get that championship until Kobe Bryant came into his own yeah but he done a decent job he had the one season I believe where he was injured I think he broke his leg or something like that um but they made home court every season. toe yeah yeah because I remember they done that uh at the all-star weekend like the best 100 players didn't they and uh, mm. uh best he, 50 he, I think oh yeah best 50 sorry and he wasn't there because he broke his toe and everyone booed him mm-hmm. uh yeah but they got yeah, home court every season in the West. They made the conference semis, conference finals. He'd done very well with what he had there, I think. Yeah, maybe something that foreshadowed what was to come, though, was in those first two seasons, he only played 51 games in the first and then 60 in the second. And even in the third, he played 49. So 
those those injury hit or those injuries that he suffered were going to plague him throughout his career. Yeah. But as you said, he still kept up his level of performance. The points were down a bit from the first couple of years. I mean, for the last couple of years in Orlando, but well, actually, the the middle two he dropped to twenty six point six in his last year. But in ninety eight, ninety nine, when you really saw what could be, that was when Kobe Bryant started starting for the Lakers, and that that <laughs> they found dynamite there. Yeah. A sad <laughs> time for two K legend Eddie Jones, I must say, who was yeah. <laughs> ousted by Kobe Bryant. <laughs> yeah, but, so that would be one of the main events that would lead to what was to come, which we will get on to. But the other one as well would be in 1999 before everything really starts going and we get on to that first big season. The Lakers hired Phil Jackson, Mm -hmm. which I would say along with the emergence of Kobe Bryant led to the huge success that we are about to get on to. Magic, yeah. I mean, uh, Phil had just been quite... (laughs) Hot off the heels of quite a successful team, to be fair. So. Yeah, not bad. Not bad. <laughs> um, Jerry Buss came in big for him, big offer, and there you go. Uh, that's the thing with this team. They weren't afraid to spend money. Shaq getting that $120 million over seven years is unprecedented, uh, unprecedented in that time. And yeah. shows with what is the last, what will go on to be the last three-peat team ever. Yeah, well, so do you want to move on to that 99-2000 season now? Yeah, so that was his first MVP season, obviously. And that's 29.7 points, 13.8 rebounds, 3.8 assists, 3 blocks, 57.4% shooting. And that included that career game that I mentioned at the start of the podcast, 61.23 rebounds that game. Just absolutely tremendous. He looked like a sort of a man possessed, I think, this season. Obviously, the additions of Kobe and Phil Jackson helped. But I think at this stage in time, Obviously, like you said with the Orlando stuff, we wasn't there. But I get the impression mm. that there was a quite a bit of media pressure at that stage that, okay, is this guy good enough to win a ring? You know, sort of how yeah. we saw with Kevin Durant before he left to Golden State where, oh, this guy's really good, but can he win the championship? And LeBron James even before that as well. That's what I get. And I think this is his most consistent regular season effort that he yeah, ever that- produced. Uh, I was gonna ask, is this you know the greatest season that Shaq ever oh, had? But I think we'll 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 go through it first. Maybe, maybe we'll go through the whole mm-hmm. thing first, and then and then we'll pose that question after. But harking back to what we said at the start of the podcast and the voting that you are you have a disdain for when he won mm-hmm. this MVP, he was one vote short of being a unanimous MVP. <laughs> the other went to Alan Iverson, which might have been a bit of foreshadowing in itself because he then won the MVP the next year. So maybe he was onto something, that one guy that didn't, that didn't vote for uh, him, That but... one guy you're looking for would be Fred Hickman. Um, yeah. Or Stephen A. Smith. <laughs> but look, going back to those stats that you just read out, just to put them into some context, he was first in scoring that year, second in rebounding that year, and third in blocks. So quite the repertoire he put together that year. That's definitely. We haven't seen a season like that from a big man. Yeah, and I would add Duncan done a season mm, like that. I don't think. And I would add as well. He got his first All Defensive Team selection as well. He's in the second. Oh no, sorry, that was two thousand. Two thousand. 
Okay. Is that that year? It might have been that year. I can't remember. Yeah, <laughs> well, I might have to double check that. It's the 99-2000 season. When he yeah, he is. Uh, there was, okay, there was yeah. a direct correlation with Phil Jackson coming in and then Shaquille O'Neal. Yeah, oh, yeah, 100%. And, uh, I think there's a quote that I'll, that I'll look at later, I think, where he challenges Shaq essentially to be the best that he can be. And I think that going back to him and well, Kobe he, he being those two... He challenged him go, to be the, the name of the MVP trophy when he retired. Yeah, so go, going back to talking about the big influences that they had, Phil Jackson really was that that person that Shaq needed to push him to the levels that people were questioning whether he could get to uh, and if he could be that one of those all-time greats. Yeah, I think Shaq did need that discipline throughout his career. Yeah, agree. He was fortunate, I think, to play with... Obviously, Phil Jackson as his coach, and then he played with Pat Riley a bit later on when he went to Miami. Mm. Um, because at points, I think he would coast, maybe is the best word for it, but he was good yeah. enough to coast a lot of the times that maybe when he needed to step it up that little notch to, you know, because you really do need to when you're in the championship run. Mm. Phil was yeah, and there was the person one to bring person. that out of him. There was one person who definitely agrees with you about that, and we'll get onto that in a bit, okay. who called him out for that. But onto the 90, or carrying on with the 99-2000. Yeah. Does anyone want to have a talk about the playoffs before we get yeah, to the, yeah. the finals? I do, because I think this is one of the greatest playoff runs of all time, actually. Mm. Like, genuinely. Uh, Sacramento first round, they're making a little bit of noise. They're not what they were a couple of seasons later. But he mm-hmm. buries them in the first round, like first game, actually got 46 points, 17 rebounds, one assist, two steals and five blocks. And I think one thing you'll notice about Shaq throughout his career is that he maybe didn't apply himself fully during the regular season all the time. But when it came to the playoffs, he was one to really, really step it up. He knew that was the time to do it. Mm. And it's quite evident in this playoffs particularly, because then even though he had an MVP season, he was even better in the playoffs. Beat the Suns second round. And you know who's playing yeah. for the Suns at the time? Penny Hardaway. That might have been a nice little revenge tour if he truly did say he was the leader of that Orlando. Yeah. But he averaged 30 and 16 that series. And in that Western Conference finals against that tough Portland Trailblazers team, they had like Rasheed Wallace and old Scotty Pippin, Steve mm. Smith. And I think that's where you'll see he's probably, that might be his most iconic shot, do you think? The alley to win that game seven? The one where Kobe throws it to him and he comes over, yeah. celebrates him, points at him. Oh, yeah. yeah potentially, but that, that yeah. game, obviously, aside from the finals, is the one that really stands out because yeah. in that game seven, they were down 75 to 60 in the fourth quarter. So they were they were facing elimination. Mm. And yeah. there were there are some controversial calls in that. Against Portland, uh, maybe some people still have we'll some see that. To we'll see day. that throughout this thing. We will do. Yeah, but they managed to overcome that that last hurdle to get to the finals, and then once they got to the finals, it it was just Shaq domination, really. <laughs> yeah. Well, there was so... the game where Kobe took over. I think if it, this is the Pacers finals. Uh... Yeah, game six and game seven, Kobe Bryant was much better than Shaq in that series. That, that was his arrival, I think, at that stage. I think that's what people credit as his, you know, coming out party, maybe. 
But he was still good in the finals. I mean, like 38 points. Oh, yeah. Obviously. Oh, he, was, yeah, he yeah. wasn't just good. He was the best player in yeah, the yeah. finals. There's oh, no definitely. question about it. He was the best player in the league at this time. It's as yeah. plain as that, I think. And um, Oh, yeah. MVP. Finals MVP. There's not really any conversation no, to have against this. It, so. This season is generally one of the best seasons in modern NBA history, like, era, I think. Like, genuinely. Yeah. This whole run. You could say Steph Curry should, you know, got unanimous MVP, but then they went and lost this is just uh like all-out dominance no yeah. no sort of joking around and he got over the hump that a lot of people obviously didn't think he could and i feel that was a bit of a freeing emotion for him maybe because after that he knew what it took and they won they just won yeah a lot of people talk about that winning mentality and, and learning what you need to do and maybe you could argue that this, well, you would argue that this year it was that year for him and there was no looking back after that. But as you said, finals MVP, 38 points per game, almost 17 rebounds, almost three blocks and over 61% field goal percentage, which is incredible. Hmm. That is. It helps when you just dunk. Yeah. Well, yeah, we can't all be seven foot and dunk, remember? No. So, yeah. James Harden. Will tell but he you could that. handle the ball as well, you know. There was, yeah. There'd be a lot of times oh, where just... he'd be handling the yeah. break. I'm joking. He was a special player. Oh, nice, definitely. The next season was kind of easier for them, though, really, because I feel well, like the level yeah. of competition sort of wasn't as high. That Portland team wasn't there. Maybe a couple teams were a bit far away from being at their best. I only yeah, lost one he's... game the entire playoffs. Was, yeah. Thanks, to big boy, Alan. Yeah, yeah greatest run in playoff history. First team to go undefeated on the road that year. Ever. But I would say, you say that, they did win 11 less games that year than they did the, the year before. Yeah. So. And they're only it, the second seed. I think it comes to a point in certain, when you have these, you know, dynasties, shall we say, mm. where they start paying less attention to the regular season, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, exactly. They just sort of, they use it as maybe a, a training, if that makes sense, training camp, a prolonged mm. training camp at that. But they don't prioritise it. They know where their efforts will come into. And that's yeah. particularly and, Jack, I think. And then has anyone got anything else to say about that playoff run or should we go straight into the finals? Yeah, um, we touched on that playoff run, I think, when we were just talking about yeah. it. Yeah, well. so while, while we said... Shack. So while we said earlier that maybe the 99-2000 season was Shaq's greatest season. This year and this finals, more importantly, however, is probably the most memorable one. Mm-hmm. In the 4-1 win against the 76ers, partly because of Shaq and his efforts, but also partly because of a certain player on the other team called Alan Iverson. And we've we touched on this, this final week. series already yeah. last in the last spotlight. And uh, I just want to hark back to something I think I said in the last podcast, which was game two of that series, where Shaq had 28 points, 20 rebounds, nine assists and eight blocks, which is an unbelievable stat line. Yeah, it's funny how you got the two contrasting best players here. You've got a barely six foot guard and then you've got the seven foot one. Yeah, yeah, it's quite... It's quite the contradiction between them. Too. Yeah, and uh, I think there was only one way that series wasn't going to go. The teams were kind yeah. of mismatched, and Shaq was just the best player in the league at this at this period of time. And 
Yeah, I mean, we said this last week. The Philadelphia 76 has done really, really well to get even get a game off them because they were so, so good throughout their entire playoffs run. And that can all basically be attributed to Allen Iverson's fantastic performance in that game one. But this is just like another highlight of what I think Shaquille O'Neal is about. Just completely dominant and maybe not even trying like not trying but it's, this isn't even at his fullest effort I think that full, the most effort he put in the season was the season before when he won MVP yeah mm. I, and you, when you look at this I, I kind of I fully understand and see everything where Kobe would be coming from where you see that the guy's working with him every day knows what I mean not what he could be because he was a three-time finals MVP and champ but it's more of the like if he what just he left on the table like it's not even yeah. If he just went a hundred percent, gave all out, what like how mad he would have been. I think that's what it is. I think that's probably what was frustrating to Kobe, and it's just the different mentalities that are there because Shaq's obviously doing it and living his life outside of it as well, which is probably what he wanted to do, and you can't blame him for it. Um, but it's like if you if you'd have got like nothing else but basketball and just drilled down, what he would have done like and prolonged his career and prolonged his dominance potentially. Yeah, but we'll, uh, we should we'll talk about the Kobe that. thing right now, I think, actually. Because... Well, I think if we'll finish off the, the, the three Pete three-peat first and then, and then we'll get mm-hmm. to that, yeah. But okay. as we said, Shaq, incredible again, second finals MVP in a row. And then on to the next season, the last one of the three-peat. There's uh, before the finals... Talking about amazing moments, maybe not not included, not Shaq doing it himself, but that game four buzzer beater that Horry hit against the Sacramento Kings yeah. that got them to that finals is gone. I was just going to say about the uh, the Shaq thing with the Sacramento Kings. He liked to tease them quite a lot, didn't he, throughout that season mm. because they were probably. You know, the New Jersey Nets, who they faced in the finals, weren't really the finals opponent. It was probably like the Sacramento Kings, kind of like how Houston Golden State a couple of years ago was the real NBA finals. Mm. And I think there was just that at this time, Shaq was really comfortable within himself. I don't think he'd be able to sort of look down upon the Kings if he hadn't had those that first championship, let alone the second championship under the belt. He used to call them yeah. the Sacramento Queens quite a lot <laughs> <laughs> yeah but, uh, as you and just looking at it again you talked before about maybe how they realized that they should concentrate more on the playoffs mm-hmm. than the regular season once again this year they won two more games than the year before but they were the third seed this time yeah they still managed to come through and, and get to the finals and once again Shaquille O'Neal happened. <laughs> Finals yeah. MVP, third time in a row. Lakers, third championship in a row. This is his most dominant performance, I think, as well. I mean, like, I know you can look at the, the 76 is one, and I, I might maintain that that was prime Shaq, but when I look back at on a purely numbers basis, I think for me, in those four games, he's the most outright player in terms of points and boards and just kind of owning all four of those games for me. Yeah, I mean, on a numbers basis, he's, he's the first of the three. But I, I think, I, I don't think there's much point in trying to say he was better in this season to that season in the three P. I I think you just take it as a whole and say those three years are... Just the peak, the peak. Pr- a prime shack, yeah. 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 
I think they were quite fortunate to get to this finals anyway because I think we should mention that Shaq was quite a hard player to officiate throughout his time in the NBA because people would do all sorts of stuff to him and they'd do stuff back, you know. He's mm. accused of throwing elbows and stuff like that. And I think if you look at that, uh, we talked about the Robert Ory shot, but if you look at that game and you look at the uh, officiating in that game, dodgy. Most definitely dodgy. <laughs> and this was, this was a time in uh, the NBA where the refereeing was quite poor. We'll see this again, I think, when we get to the 2006 finals with the Miami Heat and the Dallas Mavericks. Mm. But, you know, you, you need a little... I think what I learned from that is, in terms of a three-peat, because no one's done it since, not even the Golden State Warriors, that you do need a little bit of luck. And they got a little bit of luck yeah. there, but Shaq was consistently yeah. excellent. I think the, his issue with the refereeing, it, it's not just from the NBA, it stemmed and it was why he left LSU a year early and didn't do his senior year there. Because um, it's on the basis of that, because he's, all right, granted, it's a bit different when you're in the NBA in comparison to when he's in college, but he was con- consistently getting not just double teamed, but he was getting triple teamed and swarmed in the center because at college, all the, the um, when he was at high school, all the play was, was just to get the ball to Shaq and just let him mm-hmm. work it in the post. Right. But, and then mm-hmm. obviously because of that, he would get pushed and elbowed and beaten up and kind of in the post. And because of his size and his stature, if he was to then give it back, the refs would deem that a foul. And it was kind of, you can understand why that's frustrating for someone that they have to take it. But then if they give it back a bit, it's flipped on them. And I think that's yeah. kind of, regardless of who you are and what sport you play and how far well and how far well you've done in that sport, when you're growing up and the, if that's what you've known and you've learned when you was playing it throughout them years, it's going to stay with you even when you move on. And the fact of that he'd probably get decisions go against him because he felt that he was doing the same that he was getting given, that would be really, really frustrating to you. And yeah, I mean, Shaq time. has always, yeah, Shaq's yeah. always said throughout his career uh, how important he thinks playing tough is as well as just acting tough. And he, he would always give as good as he got, maybe even more. I think a lot of people would argue more, but well, that it, was it's the just. Thing in the Sixers game, wasn't it? When he yeah, yeah and, and time, you know, he threw, he threw a couple punches at some people as well. Barkley. Yeah, but. It's just, it just shows the difference between the culture of the NBA then to what it is now. And I think well, you, you still get player types like that as well now. Like even if you look at Russell Westbrook they're, 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 and Pat Beverly, there are still those players that are just they they have to play on edge and they have to play at the red line, kind of like what Shaq would always yeah. do. Yeah, and there's players that will play it smart and they will they will con refs and you can't and I can't blame the player because if the ref gives it then. They're winning there, like yeah. But my point being that the red line now is nowhere near as far as the red line was back then. Yeah, which I think everyone agrees that. I mean, I personally think that it. it should, I, I wish for it to go back to what it was, but I don't really. The hand check is like watching some of these games in the mid two thousands. Although I like the personalities and the players, a lot of the games are quite slow and they're quite boring. Mm. And I feel like the you know the removal of the hand checking rule, the offensive game is a lot more you know easy flowing now. And to be honest, you said about how frustrated Kobe must have been in terms of uh, this guy's not working hard enough. He could be one of the best players of all time if he works a bit more. I think maybe he was a bit more frustrated that for how many seat like ever since he started, 
he's had to basically play in a team that's played through Shaq in the post. And maybe he wanted to do, well, he definitely wanted to do a little bit more. That's, I think, the entire reason they did well, break up in the end. Do you, do you want to get on, get on to that now then? The Shaq-Kobe um, feud? I didn't plan to, you know, but we might as well. I, I think because, you have to. I think it's something yeah, you have to cover. Because I think at this point, obviously with what happened earlier this year with Kobe, um, and even before that a little bit, I think Shaq, Shaq has kind of tried to retcon it a little bit in terms of, yeah, definitely. oh, it's not, it's not, it wasn't that we didn't like each other. It's just because, uh, oh, brothers fight all the time, that type of thing. But I think there was a point in time where they really didn't like each other. Like, mm. I do feel like that way because it was just a case of Kobe wanted more and Shaq knew that he was taking his place a little bit. And I think that's yeah. going to make you feel a little bit, you know, funny. And it wasn't, a, I, I, I don't think he was ever re- really, really annoyed to the point of leaving that Shaq wasn't working hard enough. I just think he wanted a team to himself. I think Kobe wanted a team to himself. And after this free Pete, after this finals, I think that's the point where he thought, yeah, I think I need a team on my own now. Yeah, I mean, just to dumb down what all of what's said because you go on forever about it, everything that was said mm-hmm. between the two of them so to dumb it down into what people think or, or, or what it looks like were the issues it was that Shaq argued that Kobe didn't play for the team or he didn't play team ball and maybe that well I'll get on to what I think about that after and Kobe was arguing that Shaq was not working hard enough was out of shape was exaggerating injuries to tie that out of shape he was and wasn't putting the effort in that Kobe thought he should have. But I, I think both of those points come from separate things. Uh, as you said, the argument of Shaq saying, or Shaq thinking that Kobe didn't play team ball, I do think it stems from him wanting to have that power of the team being his team i I think it it all came down to that power struggle between the two of them Mm -hmm. Uh, and looking at kobe as well i I think it's the same on the other side i think i think both of them were such big personalities and were such great players that they wanted they wanted the team to be theirs and you couldn't have that with them two both on the, on the roster. No, I completely agree. I don't really agree with the people who say, oh, they should have stayed together, they could have won however many. I just don't think they're the one with the way those two were coexisting with one another. I don't know if either of you disagree with that. I mean, we'll, get, I, we'll leave the hypothetical questions for the end, I think. Mm-hmm. Oh, fair enough. George, what are your thoughts? In terms of what? Just, the just whole... what you think about the whole Kobe Shaq feud, and yeah, it's just it's it's two big egos working on the team. They've had a lot of success, and then I do I, I don't know if it's necessarily that they wanted to each have their own team, but with all those sort of things, nine times out of ten, there's going to be not friction and not rivalry, but you kind of the point that you want to prove that you can do it on your own. So yeah, exactly, that might be on your own team, but like. It, it it's one of, it's just one of them ones look they 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 were both massive egos and i think that's what it was yeah it's very i agree rare. it's very rare that a 
sort of a young player and an old player play together and then it it's not like an awkward phasing out if that makes sense i can only think of magic becoming the guy when kareem was sort of getting older a lot of the times it does result in conflict and kobe and Shaq yeah. played you know the biggest media market in the country mm. new york and they were two of the biggest personalities at the time two of the biggest players and i think yeah it was just bound to happen it just was and yeah i think it's even more difficult in this situation sorry just to yeah. quickly no, no. say on what you on the point you just made i think it's even more difficult in this situation than in the magic kareem one because this is still your know, shack is still in the prime of his career here mm. whereas kareem was going towards the tail end at that time so i think it'd be easier for him to pass pass the reins over and maybe the personalities as well going on in play here add to that difficulty both realize what they achieved together and i think both have massive respect for each other at the end yeah. of the day i think that's all we can take from it really and i do think Shaq did prolong it a bit because of the marketing maybe mm. i think he probably got over it within a couple of years he did say he was quite annoyed when kobe won his uh, next championship on his own because obviously that uh many well he equaled his championship total and then he won the other one which meant he overtook him i think that yeah. probably was that little bit of competitive edge but yeah they're say, definitely oh, yeah but at the same time they had massive respect for each other and they achieved what they achieved that's all i can say mm. yeah i would i would say before moving on to Miami, yeah. the next stage in Shaq's career yeah should just touch on the excuse me the finals in 2004 where they lost 4-1 to the pistons mm. maybe may something that i don't really know because while i was there at the times or alive at the times i wasn't watching it watching it yeah exactly i i don't know what p who people thought were the favorites going into this but it seems as though people still thought that the lakers were going to come out on top yeah lakers were the favorites i think it's a miracle though that the lakers actually made it to that finals considering yeah exactly the friction off the court everything going on there um yeah so you know the, the pistons just grinded you out if, I, if there's mm. any team I don't want to watch, it's the Detroit Pistons. Of that <laughs> yeah. They're the most boring yeah. team. Like, no a, offense a, a to great, Detroit Pistons fans. but A great team and one of the greatest defensive teams yeah, that have but... come in the NBA. But yeah, <laughs> maybe not the greatest brand of basketball. Yeah, But after that finals, where Shaq still put up decent numbers, not the numbers that he was putting up in the three-peat, but he still played okay. Subpar for his standards, but still okay. Mm-hmm. Bill Jackson then abruptly resigned. He would come back later, but uh, for for now he resigned. And Shaquille O'Neal apparently demanded to be traded after that departure. And that leads us on to the next thing, which is the trade to Miami. Does anyone want to break that down? Um, well, wasn't it based off of one money from the Lakers and two his surgery on his toe? That was a whole. Yeah, they wasn't going to give him the money. I know that. Yeah, apparently uh, Dr. Buss said that he wasn't going to pay him regardless of the whole Kobe and Shaq feud and that they wanted to quote-unquote cash in on him while while they still could. How much validity there is to that, I don't know. But it was partly that. So Shaq feeling maybe again that he wasn't being respected due to the in part maybe partly due to the injuries and 
because of the whole Jack, mean, Phil Jackson resigning and the feud that he was having. From 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 the business side of point of it, though, I, I kind of can see the Lakers' point of that. And it's oh, I agree. Yeah, more, it's something that's always mentioned in any sport, not just basketball. But whenever if you're going to transfer over a football player or, or with a basketball player, if you're holding someone that's still got it, trade them. Like, I think Max Kellerman says trade them early. The trade them a year mm. early. Then, mm. then trade them a year late while she can still get something for them. And I, I can't yeah. remember. Mar Odom was in this deal, wasn't he? He was, oh, yeah. Guess. So Miami got Shaq and the Lakers got Lamar Odom, Karen Butler, Brian Grant and a future first round pick. I mean, there was that. I'm trying to, I'm just scrolling through stuff because I remember when he had his um, surgery on his toe, the thing when I was doing my notes for this, and I was like, did he actually do this? And it was, he got, he, he injured his toe towards the end of the season or he had it, he had the problem with it for the whole of the season, but didn't have the surgery until, in, 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 until like the summer. He waited the entire of the summer. And then just before they was coming back for the new year, he had the surgery then. And then when he yeah. was asked about it, he said, I got hurt on company time, so oh, I'll yeah. heal on company time. There's a bit of a difference between someone kind of, if you're working a day-in, day job and you're kind of on a, a, an office job salary and you got hurt there, then being on absolute millions of dollars, you're getting an entire summer off and then you take your surgery then. Yeah, Kind of stuff that I can see Kobe Bryant getting massively fumed. Yeah, exactly. So maybe that gives an insight into the personality of Shaq and what he yeah. was like during during that time. But so Shaq goes to Miami. And do you want to fast forward to the 2006 finals? Um, we can do. I just want to say before that though that the first year he did go to Miami. And... I do, I do agree with that point of you should sell high on a player before you know a year early before yeah. they lose their value or whatever. But that year he did go to Miami. The first year they didn't make the the finals, obviously, or win the championship like they did the next year. But he did finish second in MVP voting. Mm-hmm. Uh, two point nine points, ten point four rebounds, and two point three blocks. It's nowhere near what he was, you know, putting up. Start of the millennium, two thousand, all that sort of yeah, range, but. but... You know, that's something to think about. Yeah. Mm. Uh, anyway, yeah, I'm fine with going on to the next season anyway because it's an interesting one. Because yeah, so go on. I was just thinking because he seemed so reluctant to sort of let Kobe have the limelight down in Los Angeles. Something mm. I truly appreciate about this move is that he does realize his role here, and he does realize that this is Dwayne Wade's team. Yeah, and, and I think partly though that. That might be down to him realizing that he was in the twilight or starting to be in the latter stages of his career mm-hmm. now. So maybe he he accepted that role because he realized what was going on. Whereas yeah. in in the LA with the championships he was winning and the finals MVPs he was winning, you talk we talked about egos. Maybe that ego wouldn't let him see that. At that location, Jimmy. Sort of, he needed to get away yeah. from it. Yeah. It partly needed to get away from it, and partly he was still the man. Mm. And he was still putting up those incredible numbers, still winning those championships. Whereas now, and there's not there's not a big gap between the championships in, in LA and in Miami, but yeah. now maybe he realised I am not 
at that level anymore and there's this young guy coming through who I need mm. to pass over the reins to. Yeah. He's a pretty good guy as well, to be fair, because, you know, so, sometimes I don't rank Dwayne Wade among... I certainly don't rank him among the great sort of, you know, Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan types, but mm. that season where he did win the championships, he was incredible. Regular season, yeah. playoffs. The guy took 10.9 free throws in the in the playoffs, like a game. That's mm. why you do, you don't really you didn't really get that in that time, because we're in an era now where people are shooting free throws for fun. This one of the main points of planning for a game. You try and get in the other team into foul trouble. You try and get free throws. But he was mm. so I think revolutionary in the terms. He was hard to guard because he was just so fast. And then yeah. he developed the jump shot a little bit later. But at this point in time, he was just so, so good. And, mm. you know, uh, Shaq was a good complimentary piece next to him. But I think we'll all agree that this is Dwayne Wade's championship, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, I mean, if you even look into the finals mm. when they played against the Mavericks, and we can maybe touch on the refs a little bit for this one as well. But just looking at the raw numbers even though Shaq's production had gone down a little bit in Miami, in this finals, it was really down. <laughs> and you, yeah. Dwayne Wade needed to play like he did, all-time great, to actually win this. And that's why people say that this finals is the Dwayne Wade finals. Yeah. It's not like he was sort of, you know, ring ch- like one of those ring chasers on the end of the bench. He was like yeah. a significant part in what they did in this season. Yeah, yeah, he, he averaged a double-double in the finals yeah. as well, but it just wasn't Shaq numbers. Yeah, he wasn't. And, you know, Alonzo Mourning also, his old rival came in for a bit of a... He, he played quite well in this uh, final series as well, but uh, you just touched on it again. The officiating in this series is really, really poor. <laughs> I think this is maybe the the uh, the down to like the start of Mark Cuban's psychotic, you know, psychotic run because he does got a bit mental after this. And <laughs> I don't think he's ever been truly right after it either. <laughs> <Fair enough. laughs> because he just seemed like he's had the most fines out of anyone for criticizing referees, and I think it all started right right here. As I said, Dwayne Wade was shooting free throws like. Like a kid in an arcade, he was. It was like he was paying to get them, and by all intents, uh, there was a referee. I'm not sure if it was in this series, but around this time, who did take a little bit of a, you know, chunk of change. But in any case, it's another championship. I'm sure Shaq was very happy with it at this time because he probably didn't think that Kobe had enough in him to win another championship by himself, mm-hmm. anyway. And then he did. But it's an important part to legacy, I think. Just like. Okay, we yeah. had this we had this alpha, this apex predator in Los Angeles, but now we've got a guy who can play a complementary role. It shows that he could do different things, even if yeah, it was I, a bit too I late. I would say I would say this this is the the last hurrah, you know, the last big moment of his career mm-hmm. before what we unfortunately see after, which is him moving from team to team and slowly yeah. winding down in his in his final years of his career. So I mean, we all agreed not to talk about that, didn't we? In that season, well, though, just, yeah, not in, to go into depth. In that season, he did finish as the league leader in field goal percentage, though. So. Yeah, he did. Yeah, no, th- th- that's what I mean by the, these few seasons in Miami. This is 
or, or the first two or three. These are the, the last bit where you can say, you know, Shaquille O'Neal was still hmm. a himself. really a great player. Yeah, maybe not prime Shaq, obviously, but he was still himself to a degree, yeah, before moving around a lot and slowly winding down. Yeah, because uh, obviously they traded him after, not, it was in 07, 08 actually, so not directly after the season, but the season after. He'd only played 40 games in the next, in the season after they won the championship anyway. Mm-hmm. So it's quite clear at this stage, you know. I think it's quite impressive how much longevity and durability he did have, considering how big yeah. he was. We did have injuries, yeah. obviously, but it wasn't, you know, Joel Embiid. I, don't, I hate to use that example, but, you know, Joel Embiid who gets injured a lot. Yao Ming, who was a bit taller, obviously. But, mm. you know, he played a lot of games throughout his career and he, you know, had some long runs in him, so fair play to him. But those last few seasons, I don't really have much to say about because it's just him trying to maybe get that one last ring. He could equal Jordan's... No, he couldn't equal Jordan's total at that point. But get five rings, that would be a nice round total. Yeah, those last couple of seasons yeah. in Cleveland and Boston, Phoenix. primarily. Cause, yeah, the one in Phoenix, he, was, he averaged 18 points a game that season, which isn't bad. Yeah. <laughs> good guy in the first round, though, didn't they? Tim Duncan hit that good shot. Yeah. Yeah. So that pretty much sums up everything in terms of his playing time. And I guess now we move on to some of the questions we have about it. Mm-hmm. And and the first one, I think the main one that people well maybe not the main one. The main one's still with Kobe. That I'll get onto. We'll get onto after. But first one would be, do you think Shaq? if he maybe looked after himself a bit more, could have had an even greater hmm. career than he did. No. I, I, he probably could have done, but not to the point where I think it's significant, if that makes sense. I don't yeah. think it significantly changes the outcomes of his career particularly. Because like I said, even though he didn't take great care of himself and his body, he was quite durable. It's not like he got injured a lot because of it. Maybe he played quite a few years in the NBA as well, but maybe he could have extended his career a little bit. I don't know. I don't think it really makes much of a difference, personally, anyway. Joel, what about you? Um, I think he could have taken... Well, this is all from very limited knowledge and very limited understanding of him and his prime, but I, I don't think it would have meant more championships i just think it would have meant even more dominant seasons that he would have had if if you know what i mean i think that Mm. he probably could have looked after himself better and been in a more in better shape to go on the court in those even though he was a unanimous mvp uh, sorry even though he was a three-time finals mvp three-time championship and he was one vote off being a unanimous mvp i just think that there's the certain comments and and things were just tend me to believe that he could have looked after himself in a better way, which would have meant that those dominant seasons he had would have been even better. Yeah, I, I always... I don't oh. think it would have improved longevity and I don't think it would have improved or led to more chips. I just think it could have been even better seasons. Yeah, I think, I think these questions are always really difficult to answer because when you think about him maybe changing to try and look after his body a bit more to help that longevity. You're not just talking about that. You're talking about changing his whole personality at the time because that just wasn't who he was. 
and 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 so it's really difficult to pose these questions because if he changes that then you change you change stuff about him himself yeah and so the then better, how does that for the better though, in terms yeah, of the exactly. NBA thing anyway yeah so then how does that affect other things and how he plays in those prime years for example the thing is he was so, so I think reliant be... i was just gonna say he was so i think more reliant on the physical aspect that even if he did take care of his body it was gonna wane eventually like you know father time doesn't wait for anybody i think it was easier for someone like tim duncan who was more reliant on the finesse you know the bank shot the fundamentals of the game that he could extend his career a little bit take care of his body it made more sense for him to do that and he had great success with it Mm -hmm. tim duncan was different to shaquille o'neal and i think yeah i i don't i there's not much I think he left on the table personally, actually. I yeah, don't and like so that. T- yeah, and so tying into that question a little bit as well, I guess, would be the one that probably is asked the most, which is is if Kobe and Shaq could could have coexisted better, would they have won more championships? One more, I think one more. Not not a a great deal more, but that two thousand five championship where the Spurs won it. But um it was it, there wasn't really a best team in the league at that time. I think they probably could have won that one, even though it would have yeah. been going through the Pistons. But other than that, I I honestly don't think so. And like I said, I don't think they would have coexisted together anyway. Yeah, exactly. This is obviously all hyperbolic, but I I do think if they could have maybe stayed together a couple more years, they or a few more years, they would have probably got a couple more rings. Hmm. Um. One question I wanted to ask you. This mm. is a bit more of a further legacy thing. Yeah. Okay. So this is a hard one because I remember when we were doing our all-time draft and I was looking for all the, the great centres that the league has. That yeah. There's just so many. But I kind of touched on this a little bit earlier when I said about Hakeem, but where would you rank Shaquille O'Neal among the greatest centres of all time? Oh, so if, if I had to choose where I'd put him... I would definitely say Kareem's number one. But then yeah. after that, I think there's two or three centres where you could make a case for any of those next positions. And I think Shaq is one of those, one of them. And I, I think personally, I would, I would probably put Shaq at, I'd maybe even put him as high as two. I think I'd put him two or three. It'd be I'd him or him, Will. I'd have him... Yeah, I mean, it depends what day it is, and you ask me this question. Really, I'd have him today. I'd have him third, and I'm nine times out of ten, I'd probably say I'd have him third. I'd have Wilt second. The only answer and the only reason why I would go Shaq second would be Wilt. Shaq did it for longer, even though the last three years were a little bit of a turn off. Shaq did play in the league for nineteen years. Wilt was only what thirteen, um, and it's a different era. And Wilt's. And this is what I'll always have, like kind of Wilt's era in in comparison to Shaq's. They're just kind of, for me, I don't I don't know, but I will pre- I, I will always hold Shaq's era in high regard to the Wilt era. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. I think it's really hard to compare eras, but when I'd say when you look at the question, if you put Wilt in Shaq's era, how would Wilt do? It, I think that's harder to answer than if you put Shaq in Wilt's era, how would Shaq do? Shaq would absolutely dominate. Yeah, so I, put, that, I I don't mind where anyone puts them to, but I'd say the obviously Kareem at number one. I 
I would probably say those three. If someone wanted to say Bill Russell as well, I'd be I was going to say that. Bill Russell because I think yeah. you have to. He, he didn't have the quite the peaks. I think of some of the guys you mentioned, Kareem, Will, yeah. or Shaq, maybe even like someone like Hakeem or Moses Malone. But he did have that longevity, and yeah, he uh, by brings all count. purposes. He was one of the greatest leaders, not just in the NBA in yeah. sports history. So I think, yeah, I think I put Kareem, Bill Russell, Shaq. And then I'd put Will, personally for me. Yeah. I mean, it, I, I I don't really have an argument with any of that. It's so hard to compare these eras that... Yeah. Especially as well, it depends what you... I think there's a distinction between, for me anyway, the word greatest and the word best. Yeah. I, I think if you, if you just say best, I, I think Bill Russell's higher up if you say greatest than best. I, I think there's a the difference and a distinguish between them two. So it also it, you have to take into account people's interpretations of what of what that actually means. But mm-hmm. any of those centers, apart from I will I will always say Kareem should be one personally. But a, a, any positions for the others that we've mentioned, I'd probably be all right with. Yeah, I mean, Shaq, Shaq always maintains that Hakeem's the best in his eyes as well. Well, one of the greatest, anyway. Well, yeah, Hakeem is definitely one of the greatest, and you look at. Who, when Shaq came up against anyone, who was the one that maybe performed best against him? You'd go back to that, although obviously he was very young, but you'd go back to that 1995 finals where Hakeem nearly averaged 33 on him. So it's hard to argue. Yeah. Um, another question I did want to ask you as well. It's been a bit easier with our previous spotlights because they've only played for like one or two teams that are really worth mentioning. But with Shaq, where would he rank among the franchises he has played for? Because always got the yeah, Lakers, the Magic. You could even or, or the Miami Heat. So I'll start yeah, with the Magic, that... I suppose. Yeah, I think the Lakers the really juicy one. But the Lakers are juicy one. But I want I want to see what you say for the Magic because they don't have a. They've had some good yeah. players, but they don't have a great load of players. Yeah, I think. Oh, I'm just trying to think about it now. Yeah, who, who would they be? Him, Penny, T-Mac. White. T Mac, them. No, that is it. <laughs> well, yeah, maybe Grant Hill, but he didn't play a lot of games. Yeah, exactly. So I think it's hard to argue that Shaq. It's hard, well, hard to argue great. against Shaq being their best ever player. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, I'd yeah. say it's the best ever player, and then you can toss it up between Penny Dwight and T Mac. Hmm. I think I'd go best ever as well, and I'd, I'd put that second to Dwight Howard because he was quite good, you know, defensive player of the years. He led them to the finals as well, you know, just like Shaq did. He just quite a few similarities between Shaq and Dwight. It's just a, like a different level of competitiveness, I think. But uh, So let's get on to the juicy one then, the Lakers. Where would you say he ranks in the Lakers? Lakers? Yeah, see, for me, I'm just trying to think. So we're doing Mount Rushmore, yeah, so four. Yeah. I think purely because of the fact that they were the the one team men, I think Kobe and Magic go on there automatically. I don't think you can argue either of them. No. And then after that, I think it's hard to argue against Jerry West as well, purely because he's along those lines. Didn't win three championships, though. Yeah. So, so, so personally, I would say... Kobe and Magic are definite, and then you have to pick between Jerry West, 
Kareem, Shaq and Will, I'd say you'd have to pick two out of those of those four for the final two. I'd go Kareem and Shaq, I think, personally. You'd go Kareem and Shaq. What yeah. about you, John? I'd probably agree. Okay. Yeah, I'd probably agree with that. Jerry West was a great player, don't get me wrong. It's just that, that Shaq, I think, at his peak was probably better. Yeah, it, it brings... Championships. Yeah, it brings back that question again about the greatest yeah, was, versus best. Because, yeah. uh, as I said, though those one one team people, Jerry West, he was he was a Laker man through and through. So, yeah. but also well, give a small to a lot shout of other out teams. to Elgin. Mate. <laughs> he's been to yeah. a lot of other teams I'd, now. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, obviously. I, I'd also give a small shout out to Elgin Baylor as well because he is obviously another Laker great. James Worthy but, as well. They've had a great, lot yeah, of great play. yeah. Uh, but so we'll come on to the final team that I think you can make this a uh, debate for anyway. It's probably Miami. It's kind of a mm. weird one though because he's below Dwayne. Obviously, Dwayne Wade's the greatest player in Miami yeah. history. I'd probably put him below. Oh, he's definitely below LeBron James. Yeah, agreed. But then it comes to Chris Bosh and like Alonzo Mourning, and I'm not. I don't really know because he only played for them for three years. Like Mourning's quite a Miami legend, isn't he? Chris, but uh, should we rule Chris Bosh out? Mm. I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have Chris Bosh above. Shaq. Yeah, neither would I. Mm. Neither would I. I, and I wouldn't that. have him above Alonzo Mourning either. I don't think. Okay. So we've got Mourning there. I mean, I'd probably have Shaq Alonzo Mourning above LeBron. In terms of Miami Heat, if you mm. speak exactly to Heat. Yeah, I, I, I think Alonzo Mourning has to be in it. I, I think it's. Wade, Wade, LeBron, Alonzo Mourning. And then, yeah, the last one's a bit difficult. Bosch, Shaq, even... Um, Mario Chalmers. Give it, well, I'd say <laughs> if you're going to give another shout, Tim Hardaway's an option as well. Oh, yeah, that's true. But I, I think the, the problem with these is there's a lot of emotional attachment to to the players too, and especially especially if you're a fan of the team. You're you, a special you... Chris Bosh fan. <laughs> Personally, no, but some <laughs> some Miami fans would be so. So it's a difficult Most one definitely. to answer. I'll go Shaq over Chris Bosh personally. I put him below Wade, LeBron, and Alonzo. Not in that order, but okay. So that brings me to my final question. I think because. Yeah. Shaq has, he's got a bit of a bone to pick. I've heard him say this a couple times now. He's not a fan of only winning one most valuable player. And, you know, fair enough. Yeah. He had a pretty good run at his peak. Um, do you think he probably should have won more MVPs if you can pimp on yes. seasons? Yeah, I think he probably should have. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think now of specific ones, which is a which might be a I, bit different. I can give but... you two specifics. Obviously, ones where he finished second. I obviously mentioned the one in Miami, his first season in Miami, where he averaged 22.9 points, 10.4 mm. rebounds and 2.3 blocks. Steve Nash, he won his first MVP that year. And he Yeah, averaged... I think that's that's the one that... He gets annoyed about. That Shaq gets yeah. annoyed about the most, yep. <laughs> he averaged 15.5 points, 11.5 assists. It's almost in the 50-40-90 club. But, I w- you know, those stats don't pop off the page, obviously. But I will say that Phoenix team was 13th the year before Steve Nash got there and he took them to first in the West. 
Yeah. I'd, I'd give it to Steve Nash. I'd still give it to Steve Nash personally. Those Shaq yeah, numbers are, sure. not <laughs> they're not enough to make me be like, oh, that guy doesn't have the MVP. 22 points and 10 rebounds. Do you know what Absolutely I mean? Not. I think it was, I mean, he got supporters his second in that as well. So, like, you know, yeah. and the MVP is a popularity contest anyway. So, um, no, I think he won the correct amount of MVPs. Another one he had was uh, where he finished second was uh, the year he went to the finals, actually. That's where he averaged 20, 29 points, 11 rebounds, two blocks. And that year he lost to his rival, David Robinson. I've got a little funny story for you here because mm-hmm. Shaq basically made up that when he was younger, right, uh, he went up to it when he was a young kid, he went up to David Robinson or whatever and was like, oh, can I have an autograph, whatever. And he said that David Robinson said no and that he hated David Robinson. But it actually just never happened. Like, he just completely made it up. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> the confusing, well, but there was that. How that... now? Or did he admit that he made it up? Oh, he admitted that he made it up. <laughs> and... <laughs> but there was that, like, last game where to win the scoring title or whatever, and the whole of San Antonio banded together to make sure David Robinson got to 70 points, and he won the score. Uh, and then he, you know, averaged 27.6 points, 10.8 rebounds, 3.2 blocks. Finished first in the West with another star next to him. Uh, you know, I, I have no problems with David Robinson winning that. Yeah, either. I think that's the that's the one, maybe along with the Steve Nash one, that might be the most contentious. Because on, on pure statistics, Shaq has him beat that season. But obviously you look at the teams as well. And, mm-hmm. and I, I don't think anyone's going to argue with David Robinson winning it. So No. Kind of, we didn't even mention him in the centers discussion. Actually, he was pretty damn good. At, you know, he did spend the yeah, first four I, years of his like, uh, career in the naval service, which I find yeah, quite odd. I, I, I would put David Robinson that slight, slight tier below the ones that we mentioned. Yeah, I agree. Actually, as well, he's below Hakeem for me as well. Yeah. Um, that's all my questions up. Anyway, I don't know if you two have any more. Yeah, I've got all mine out, so it's just up to George. I just think it's a bit disgusting, really, that everyone talks about Ben Simmons being a bad three-point shooter when this man made one out of 22 in his career. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's a good one, it. to be fair. Have you seen it? Yeah, 1995 season, mate. Um, no, that's me done for it, and um, I think we'll wrap things up there. We'll close this spotlight chapter on the big cactus, the big shactus, and the big galactus. Um, we'll leave that there. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, make sure you're following us on our socials, on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, at the Swing Web, or at Swing Man Pod, I should say. Um, thank you very much for listening, and peace.